Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Our guest today is Andy Ernst, and Andy is the Senior Vice President for Pace Construction, and Andy has been involved with AGC in Missouri for a lot of years. He's on our board of directors and has been for a while. So, Andy, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome, Lynn. I'm glad to be here. Well, tell me, how did you get here? How the heck did you get to Pace Construction? Yeah, my story started back in uh, the summer of 1989. I was an intern with Pace that summer between my junior and senior years in college. How did you find Pace when you were in college? How did that happen? Pace, actually Missouri Petroleum was doing some work in Perryville, Mm -hmm. which uh, is where I'm originally from. They actually had to get some equipment repaired at at my father's business at at a machine shop. So that's how I made the first connection with Pace through Missouri Petroleum. So you started as an intern then? So I started as an intern and uh, worked in St. Louis in the summer of 1989. Went to school, graduated in the, in the summer where'd of 1989. Where did you go to school? Uh, Murray State University. Oh, really? Yeah. What, was your, what was your degree? Construction your... management. Oh, okay. As it was my degree. So decided to go to there. My sisters went there to mm-hmm. school. So I had made several visits over the years before I started and, and kind of kind of grew kind of fond of the school so that's where i ended up going great so then you came to work at pace what happened after the internship then yeah after the internship i didn't start i graduated in 1990 i uh, did not start with pace until july of 1994 so i i graduated and went went to work for another contractor in south carolina oh really, really? yeah so i was there for i traveled around with that company for several years and then actually got tired of moving around had a good experience with Pace, so you thought you'd come back. I did. I did. I actually called up Roy Burns. What sure a great you, guy. Yeah, I'm sure what you remember him. Yep. And uh, reacquainted myself with him and came up for an interview and uh, started work a month later. So did you start as a project manager, or what was your first role here? Yeah, I did. I started as a project manager July 5th of 1994 and worked solely in the St. Louis area for the company. And then in uh, 1999... I was promoted to construction manager, still in the St. Louis area. And in 2005, our company had a pretty big shakeup with the passing of Roy Burns, mm-hmm. who who was the president of the company and, and one of the owners. Of so Roy had really maintained the ownership for all those years. Y- yes, yes, he did. When he passed away, the company kind of went through a pretty large reorganization. Uh, at that time, uh, Phil Hoker was the president of PACE, and I was uh, uh, promoted to our construction operations manager in 2005. Now, what did that involve then? What sort of a move was that? Were you still spending a lot of time in the field, or what sort of duties were involved there? So during that time, I took on the responsibility of all of our construction in St. Louis, whether it was asphalt paving, 
concrete, bridge construction. So I, that was my responsibility in the St. Louis area. Maybe we should talk a little bit about what that reorganized company looked like. What sort of work did you do? What sort of work, what sort of projects has Pace Construction been involved in? So obviously Pace is a heavy highway constructor, primarily focused on asphalt paving and asphalt production and uh, bridge construction. Those are our primary areas of work. So when you moved up, you were looking out for all that work in the St. Louis market. Correct. Correct. Where to from there? From there, kind of maintained that role all the way through 2011. In 2011, we had one of our offices in Pop or our office in Poplar Bluff, uh, the manager that was at that office retired. So at that point in time, we we did not replace that manager and I took over the responsibility of that office. So that kind of got me out of, this, out of the St. Louis area with the company for the first time. Is that the only office that Pace has outside of St. Louis? No, we also uh, have an office in West Plains. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, I took over responsibility for that office also. We kind of reorganized a little bit then to where I was at that point. I was uh, then my title was uh, vice president of construction operations, and I worked more so outside of St. Louis. So, as the highway industry changed in those years, the funding we actually had to push out further into the state of Missouri to get enough work to keep the company going. When you say highway funding changed, highway funding shrunk, shrunk significantly, (laughs) shrunk during those years so from i guess 2010 through 2016 modot's budget was way down so we had to reach further and further out to get the work we needed so at that point it made sense to put me in a position to just oversee the work outside of st louis so at that point i was on the on the road quite a bit and and as well as i am also today so what does your role involve today then? Okay, so today, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll back up to 2018. In 2018, we had, an, ha, had basically have had an ownership change of Lionmark. Mm-hmm. So at 20, 2018, I got the opportunity to become a partner in the ownership of Lionmark. Now, Lionmark is like an overall holding so, company, or what's the structure it's, it's, there? It's the parent company of Pace. Okay. And Missouri Petroleum. There are eight companies under that umbrella right now. Okay. So I'm a, a, one of the owners, uh, six of us currently, mm-hmm. uh, of Lionmark. And in 2018, I was fortunate enough to be able to get that opportunity. Great. And you took advantage of it. Absolutely. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, it, and the rest is history. It's worked out great because funding has rebounded to some extent. Yeah. Funding is definitely on the upswing. As a matter of fact, I, I guess I got some news today, as, as well as I'm sure you did, is about what that budget looks like that is coming from general revenue, hopefully coming from general revenue, which maybe will be approved as early as tomorrow evening. Yeah, we've been very fortunate in what we're seeing with the road program now, both with the passage of Senate Bill 262 and the increase in the fuel tax revenues, but now when right. we're talking about the legislature and the governor and leadership looking at dedicating those excess tax revenues 
to something meaningful like rebuilding I-70 or adding the third lane on I-70, that really is a shot in the arm for the industry. Yeah, I'd, Lynn, I'd look at that as unprecedented as far as using those kind of general revenue funds for highway funds. Nothing like that has ever been done in the history of the state. It is unprecedented. It's unprecedented to have that amount of tax revenue collections because of a lot of the stuff that transpired post-COVID. But it also is unprecedented for the legislature to make that investment in something that's long overdue. You know and I know the first section of the interstate in the United States was constructed out in St. Charles County back in 1956, and a lot of the interstate's old enough to be on Social Security right now. Yeah, that, yeah, that is that is a pretty accurate representation <laughs> of our interstate system right now. Because it's if you do if you do much traveling on the road, it's it's very obvious that the infrastructure funding needs to be spent on. So, on how is pace construction looking at that challenge ahead? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I guess in the next five to ten years. I see our company preparing itself for these funds. Obviously, an opportunity for some growth, but in that you have to be cautious about that growth to make sure it's a controlled growth. So I've, I feel like the next five to ten years, our job is to position our company in a way that can utilize the opportunity to, to grow and build some of that work with those funds. What sort of challenges do you see towards that growth? What sort of issues are you dealing with to make sure you're successful with that? The biggest hurdles that I think that we have is workforce, inflation, and recession uncertainties. Let's talk about each one of those individually. So workforce, what are you seeing there in terms of pace and the industry overall? So what I like uh, is what the AGC has got started with the Build My Future program. We've attended a couple of those as our company and really, really like what we see in that. I mean, we're able to get out there and show these young students uh, that are in high school, younger than 18, what other opportunities there are out there besides going to college. Mm -hmm. You know, because that college doesn't work for everyone. The AGC is offering some training uh, opportunities for uh, the veterans. And you all have hired some of those veterans for we, those we have. training programs, haven't you? Yeah, we have. We've we've actually hired several, uh, and some of them work out, some of them don't. But but the opportunity is there, right? You know, to get those guys in into our industry, which is which is huge. We actually have started uh, in-house training. What, so, and what's it, what does that training involve? What we do, and we're really starting to get it kicked off this year, is we'll we'll even employ an extra person on the crew, a person that, that we're just bringing into the company, and uh, give them an opportunity to train on the equipment and, and get some experience in doing the work that we do. It gives that, that person an opportunity to see what they like and gives us an opportunity to see where they fit within the company. Almost like an internship program that you went through. Yeah, almost like an internship <laughs> program. That's exactly yeah. right. I think it's paying dividends for us at this point. What's your second concern, inflation? Inflation. So although right now highway funding is 
probably at record levels in most every part of the country. Inflation is eating away at a lot of those dollars. And you're seeing that across the board. Is there any one particular area since you're doing asphalt? I'm sure everybody asks you about petroleum prices and, you know, all the other things that go into it. Where, where are you seeing it heaviest? Pretty much across the board. I, I would like to say it's one particular area, but I think it's across the board, even as far as material purchasing, equipment purchasing, it's just everything has just increased 20 to 50 percent and you're utilizing specialized equipment it's not like you go down to the corner drugstore and buy a new car or a new paver or a new grinder though that's some specialized stuff yeah just to give you an example the last asphalt paver that we ordered was ordered in august of 22 and our delivery date is spring of 24. That same piece of equipment that we bought two years prior, you know, you're looking to at a 30 to 40% price increase. And meanwhile, you have to continue to maintain the old equipment and hope that it makes it. Yes. So, what's so what makes inflation so scary as it is now is you have to plan those equipment purchases two years in advance because that's how long it takes to get the equipment so as you're doing that the equipment that you currently own you're using it every day and you're wearing it out every day you're using it Mm -hmm. so the um, the uncertainty and the inflation is what is that going to do to the volume of work and then finally your uncertainty in the program overall yeah so uncertainty in the program is has goes hand in hand with the inflation and the funding what what is going to happen with those dollars? You know, there's more dollars here, but what? how, how is MoDOT going to use those dollars and how many dollars are, are going to be left to spend? Because you have to look at not just I-70, but you have to look at the whole program. Have to look at the whole program. We we actually, MoDOT has, an, has a nice program, the, the, the STIP. The State Transportation Improvement Program. Yes. So that reaches out five years. So... In the past, that's been a very valuable tool for us to plan expansion in the company, equipment purchases, things like that. Well, the problem is now that that planning tool is a little uncertain also because of inflation. Because there's been a number of projects that haven't been awarded because of the inflation that the number of bids is either reduced because of the lack of some materials or equipment and the prices that you have to put in your bid are significantly different than what was originally programmed into the STIP. Yeah, so there, there's a risk involved in that. And uh, we're noticing some of those projects in the five-year five plan, even you know the current year that we're working in, have been pushed out into the future. And you have some big investments, so uncertainty. There's enough risk in this business already anyway, and add a couple more layers of risk on there with the workforce, the inflation, and the program uncertainty. That's why they need smart people like you in charge. (laughs) Well, I I give it my best shot. I'm not sure how smart I am, but I do give it my best shot. What any other challenges, Andy, that you see ahead? What what are you what do you think AGC is doing for you? Because you are a busy guy. You've got all these challenges ahead of you. You're 
you're an important executive here at the company and an owner. Why do you take your time and spend it with AGC activities? What the AGC means to our company is very difficult to put a dollar amount on that. Let me back up to the beginning here. So in, in 1995, Phil Hoker introduced me to the AGC Young Executives. So I joined shortly thereafter. And what that did for me as a young project manager, and I keep in mind because I was just 26 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So what that did is allowed me to get involved in the industry and network with other young management and, and get to know those guys. And and I've developed, I feel like I've developed friendships with those folks, even though they're with other companies, you know, they're still in the industry and, you know, you maintain a lot of common threads there. So in the beginning, I utilized the AGC to network, to get to know other people, other young managers in the industry and learn learn from those folks because we had several meetings throughout the year and it was it was really nice. I, actually, I got a quick story here. It's sure. kind of interesting. So so we have a young manager currently working for us, uh, Justin Rogers. Mm-hmm. So I met him for the first time when he was about five years old. <laughs> Believe it that or not. That is a young constructor. Yeah, so that is a, yeah, definitely a, a, a young AGC executive right there. Uh, his, actually, his father was in the in that group too. Wow. And uh, back then, we had an annual meeting where you could bring your family and your kids. That's neat. To these meetings. And I always, I wish they still did it that way, but, you know, it's just a difficult thing to, to do right now. Sure. Not only did did I meet his father and got to be friends with him, you know, I got to meet a future employee of our company. Who who would have thought that, right? It's all about relationships, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So back in the early days, that's what the AGC meant to me. Now, uh, as I progress through my career and through the AGC, a valuable tool that I learned is just stay involved. I've been on numerous committees and things throughout the years with the AGC that that has brought a lot of good good things to our company and myself you know growth for myself and information for the company pace construction has always looked to the AGC as an organization to where we feel like it's vital for us to be a part of that organization uh, it keeps keeps us involved it gives our company a seat at the table and what I mean by that is, is uh, let's just talk about the legislation that's been put in place. And a lot of those bills, the agency has had a strong impact on as far as passage. Senate Bill 262, huge. I felt like I worked my entire career on getting a new bill in place to help out the funding. And that literally took almost my entire career Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i felt i felt being a part of the agc allowed our company to have a voice in bringing that bill to reality which brings additional funding into the industry and it wasn't that long ago that you testified at the legislature to help protect that funding uh (laughs) yeah that's right i i I got that opportunity uh just a week ago (laughs) and did a great job (laughs) thank you just uh the timing was right and uh 
you and I had a conversation on, on the way I was going to Jeff City, you were going to Kansas City, so that worked out worked out pretty good. But anyway, I, th- I feel like AG- being a part of AGC also helps helps drive the future of our industry. So there, there's no – you can't place, as I said earlier, you can't place a dollar value on what that means to, to me as a person and to the company, you know, as a whole. But it is important to have a seat at the table. You're either – at the table or on the table, as one of our members says. Yeah, you're either at the table or on the menu. I, <laughs> I've heard before <laughs> yeah. also. That's, uh-huh. that's pretty good, uh, some pretty good advice. Well, I know that it meant a lot to AGC to have you testify and help us do what we need to do legislatively. It certainly helps a lot to have PACE's involvement in everything we do, the safety programs that we put on, mm-hmm. training programs, the workforce, the Build My Future, all those things. We couldn't do what we do without the support of our members, and we really appreciate your support also. It's, a, it's an amazing, uh, amazing partnership, I will say, between a contractor and the AGC when everybody gets involved and stays involved. Andy, thank you. I really appreciate really appreciate Pace's support of AGC and the industry. And let's hope that, that those three issues of workforce, inflation, and uncertainty, that we can continue to work together to make that as good as it can possibly be. Yep, absolutely. Lynn, I appreciate the time. Thank you, Andy. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.